everybody. Welcome to Augmenters. I'm Julie. And this is Jimmy. Hello. We are two business founders who started out as solopreneurs, yet found our greatest success when working with others. Mentoring is key to incredible relationships, and the Augmenters platform will help you get further faster because great relationships lead to better business and more fulfilling lives. You are here because you want to help others shine and see the light in themselves. We will support you in your mentoring journey with advice, tools, and stories that will augment your relationships to the next level. So strap on your earpods, prepare to listen generously, and become an augmenter with us. Jimmy, I forgot my headphones again. No worries. Just turn up the volume into this next Augmenters episode. Hey, Jimmy. We're back at it. We're back at it. Oh, this was a good conversation. What did you think? It's not often that you are able to chat with somebody who's so open about how they've grown their career. Somebody with such a deep arc within their professional set. You know, Deanne is a phenomenal attorney and has pivoted within her skill set and has run or been the president of the Illinois Bar Association, which is a massive professional association. Uh, it's pretty great to have somebody share so openly about how they got where they are. And I loved how it was really about these deep, deep relationships within the community that she's in, in Chicago, deep relationships with other lawyers and with folks that she's worked with, obviously, of course, with women who she's done a lot of mentoring with. But yeah, these really, really deep connections. And I love Deanne sharing about her being you know, sort of a seasoned professional and very much having most of her career in the what we call now the before times where everything was really in person. And then how do you kind of take those deep connections, the lunches, the happy hours, the networking events in person and be able to take some of that into what we are now calling the aftertimes. Totally. And obviously she's uh, gotten what she's wanted over time and part of that being a much better golf game, but uh, she has uh, some really good, you know, mantras that have always like kept her going and made it really clear, I think, to support her mentees, which she had many, many over time. The mantra I kept coming back to from Deanne was, if you don't ask, you don't get. Seriously. So you better go ask. <laughs> and it seems so simple, but it's really a big deal. And of course, Deanne provides a whole lot more context. It's a big deal. And like creating these, again, these, these fabrics of the, the fabric web of relationships that mentoring can create, because nobody is happy just doing work. You know, nobody just wants to sit there and do a thing. They want to do a thing with others who are meant to have these communities. And I think Deanne says it really well uh, about how it affects attorneys, but it can be related to a whole lot of people about how mentoring can help you uh, with any kind of profession. For sure. For sure. I am a big fan of you don't ask, you don't get, because then you're just right where you were before otherwise. And also uh, she talks a lot about getting involved in your professional association. So I think if we have some new grads, some new folks jumping into their professional career, just some great ideas on how to get involved, both of course with professional organizations and also with volunteer organizations, different things from, you know, if you love pets or if you love sports or if you love, you know, pickleball, I've heard that's really hot these days, then you have a chance to, you know, get involved in that and get to meet others through that too. I might really be into alumni sports. I don't see you helping the Tufts Jumbos alumni teams in your cities. I'm doing what I can still. But I don't know if I joined a pickleball Tufts alumni team. But I have. I think we talk about it a little bit 
uh, on the podcast, I have made some great connections and, and made some friends through just playing alumni sports, just having that connection about, oh, wait, you also spent a certain number of years in a random part of the country. Great. Okay. You know, let's hit a baseball together. And that'll then mean, uh, you know, we're able to uh, connect faster and want to see each other succeed uh, in some way. I believe Kari Brown, one of our symbols, was a Tufts uh, alumni basketball with you. Yeah. I mean, it tied it all together. Kari Brown uh, was our, our uh, Kari Brown was our guest for resilience, the augmenter's seventh symbol, of which our spirit guide was Bill Russell, and Kari also went to Tufts. And so your high school. Kari is truly the pride of Newton South and Tufts University. I'm just, you know, the person that came up, that came after. <laughs> uh, but soon you'll be known as the augmenter. <laughs> Everybody will know you for that. Yeah, if you don't ask to be known as the augmenter, you will not become. That is our, uh, our key message for this podcast. So, yeah, I think we should probably pass it over to an expert, Dan, at this point. Here we go. Welcome, Deanne Brown. We are so excited to have you on this podcast. I'd love if you wouldn't mind just giving us a little bit of your background, a little bit of an intro. Sure. Well, first, Julie and Jimmy, thank you for having me on this podcast. I'm always interested and excited to share what I know after 32 years in the practice of law. A long, a long run. I'm not done yet. So right now I am at a firm called Hugh Sokol, Pierce Resnick Dim. I am an owner of the firm. We have about 40 lawyers. We're in Chicago, although we do handle cases on a national level. My practice consists of representing high-level employees, executives, and C-suites in employment matters. And a large part of what I do is discrimination. Pretty much nothing I haven't seen at this point in my career. You know what? I, I love what I do. I'm a happy lawyer. That's rare. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that. Happy lawyers. Love it. Go figure. Um, and I love the talent that I work with here. The people are fantastic. They're incredible lawyers. Probably one of the most progressive firms in Chicago, which I'm very proud about. I just I just love what I do. But it's one of the themes that you mentioned was resilience. And I think to get where I am today, I've had to be very resilient. And I think women lawyers in general have to be resilient. And it's not that easy. So, you know, I started my career as a federal defender. And as I thought I was going to be a criminal defense lawyer well before I went to law school probably starting in uh, college when I worked in the death penalty defense unit for the public defender's office in Baltimore. Then I got my master's degree in criminology after college and before law school. And I was a, I was a federal defense lawyer. I got my clients whatever deals I could get them because usually they were on videotape, audio tape, signed confessions, you know, because generally the federal government and its agencies such as FBI, DEA, basically they don't indict someone they can't win. So I found it. I like to win. And so I moved into big law. I did a little white collar criminal defense and I moved into commercial litigation from there. I had my daughter when I was an associate at that law firm and pretty much missed the first year of her life because I was billing so many hours and it was really, really tough. At that point, a lot of women in law just drop out completely, which I find to be very unfortunate because they don't have mentors. They don't have role models. They can't see a path forward because it's very hard to have a work-life balance. I found it to be hard at a big law. So I, luckily, I, I didn't view it as black or white. I decided to move on to a mid-sized firm where I was lucky enough to have a mentor, which we can talk about. And at that point, my life got a lot better. It was manageable. The hours were better. I was getting you know much better experience because I was not in a big law firm. Very hands-on you know, with clients. It was great. 
it just ultimately I didn't think it was the right fit for me. So I moved to a different firm, a different mid-sized firm where I was for 12 years. Great firm, but that's when I started developing my employment law practice and most of the lawyers there did family law. So I moved to my current firm seven years ago and we focus on uh, civil rights and employment law. It's a big part of our practice. I call myself seasoned. I don't like to call myself old. Uh, <laughs> I'm totally stealing that. Okay, you may. I'm totally stealing that. Um, so for seasoned lawyers, especially for women lawyers, we really have to do what we can to help others. Especially in my case, I've been very involved in anything I can do to help other women succeed in the profession because they need to see role model. And without that, they don't think they can necessarily do it and be resilient and, and pursue their careers and a career that they've invested a lot of money in. Law school's not cheap, you know, and money and time and we just need to keep at it. Yeah. Well, actually, I just want to jump in, first of all, and say, full disclosure, Deanne is my sister-in-law, in case you didn't get that, uh, with my niece, so I'm married to my brother. Actually, um, Jimmy, this is making me think of a podcast we did with Ellen, who was very senior at Comcast in HR, VP of Comms, or SVP of Comms at Comcast. And she worked in a TV, her parents owned a TV store in Maine when she was a kid. And she said seeing her mom help run the business at a very early age gave her the sense of representation really matters. How much representation... I feel so grateful that we have in our family and how important that is of really strong female role models, I think, for our generation, the next generation and going forward. So that I love what you're saying. And that's exactly one of the reasons why I wanted to chat with you is because I've always been so inspired ever since, you know, I've known you of how dedicated you are to your career, knowing that's a career where a lot of people do tend to fall off just because of the hours and the intensity. I'd love to hear, yeah, a little bit more about about some of your mentors. Yeah. So I got lucky at that mid-sized firm I went to after Big Law and worked with a guy who I, everybody in Chicago knows. His name is Warren Lupel, and he was sort of a guru in the legal ethics area. But more important to me, he taught me about giving back to, getting involved in and giving back to the legal community, which was not something I had done much of before. So he got me very involved in the Illinois State Bar Association, where you have to be appointed by the president to serve on a committee. And he got me appointed to a few committees and then he also told me about something called the Illinois Bar Foundation, which is a charitable arm of the Illinois State Bar Association. And uh, what the IBF does is gives money to or grants to legal aid agencies throughout the state of Illinois. And we also give grants to lawyers. So the Illinois Bar Foundation you know, does that. And for me, it wasn't just about getting involved and going to a couple meetings. I ended up chairing two Illinois State Bar Association committees, and I'm the immediate past president of the Illinois Bar Foundation. But, but for Warren, I wouldn't have really known about those organizations. I wouldn't have known how important it is to meet others in the legal community and to get involved and to become a leader because that's how you get, that's what you get out of it. You, you know, you probably heard the expression, you get out of it what you put into it. And I've always believed that, you know, you can't just be tangentially involved in anything or why bother? And I mean, someone's joked, oh, TN, you become the president of anything you get involved in. Well, it may not be, I have been the president of a number of organizations, but that's not my goal. My goal is to make the organization as good as it can be and to help people get benefits out of the organization. And if I think I can add to that, then I am going to raise my hand and stand up and be a leader. So that's like a very important lesson to me in mentoring was help people get involved, tell them how it can benefit them and how it can benefit others. Because honestly, things have flown through like becoming involved in the ISBA and I can go into that, but it's just, if no one told me that, 
I just would be sitting in my office every day, working, writing briefs, and my career wouldn't have been anywhere near as fulfilling as it's been. I'm just very, very thankful that I met someone like that who was very instrumental in my career. Deanne, that's amazing. I'm curious, can you say a little bit how you realized with Warren that your relationship would go a little bit beyond just like, hey, here's some nuts and bolts of how to try a case, but that Warren was also showing up for you individually? Like, how did you realize it was it was more mentoring than just like, hey, I'm your boss and I want you to get like prepared to uh, present well in the courtroom. Mm -hmm. Well, I think a part of it was he gave me the chance. A lot of times lawyers are scared of putting on their young associates or junior partners and letting them take the lead on a witness or, but you know, I prepare, I mean, that's part of why I'm the lawyer that I am, I prepare really, really well and really hard. And I probably, I think I work harder than a lot of people in my profession, just because it's so important to me to do the best job that I can. So he believed in me. I think that's a big part of it. And he said, you can do this. You can take this cross-exam, you take the direct and let's talk about any potential issues you may have. So, you know, these questions could come up. These are the objections you should be prepared to make. And I mean, he definitely spent the time preparing me and he trusted me and he let me take the reins. That's a big part of it. The other part of it is he made, he opened the door for me. He made introductions for me with regard to the ISBA and the IBF. And without that, somebody, someone has to not only tell you about something, but help you get there. And you got to open, I think, like I say, opening the door for people, making the introductions critically important. And from that, like I've learned, you know, every year when signups go around for what committee do you want to serve on, on the Illinois State Bar Association, I tell everybody I know, including all the lawyers in my firm who want to get involved, tell me what committee you're interested in. I know the incoming president that will get you appointed, or I will ask to get you appointed, you know, and if I recommend someone because I have a good reputation, that means something. Just like Warren has a good reputation, it meant something he wasn't just doing this because he felt like he should. He's doing this because he thought I could help. That's so important. And one of the things that we have been talking about for quite some time, we actually were kind of inspired to start this thinking about sort of post-grad, you know, post-college, early career folks like Morgan's age and how the idea of mentoring is not quite as prevalent as perhaps it was even when we were coming out of college. And so how do we really remind people of the importance of it? And one thing that's come up quite a lot is about professional associations and how incredibly important those are. And certainly if you are a lawyer and you're in, in a bar association, we talked to Dr. Taylor Wallace, who's a big food scientist, and he was the president of IFT and, you know, which probably, you know, um, from Morgan as well. But all of that, you know, those are really, really critical ways to just get to know people, to have leadership positions, to have the opportunity to really shine in a way that you might not necessarily at your job, depending upon what level you're at. And all these organizations need people to work on these committees, right? I mean, it's like, it's an absolute win-win. One thing to your point about these professional associations, I've just told you a little bit about the Illinois State Bar and the Illinois Bar Foundation, but one of the really big things that I learned was you got to get out also out of your profession. So my first involvement in a cross-industry professional networking group was called the Professional Women's Club of Chicago, which we met monthly for luncheons and uh, they had great speakers. I joined it really because I wanted to meet other working moms. That was really important to me. My daughter was young then and I just wanted, not only did I want to make professional connections, but I just wanted to meet other working moms. So I didn't feel so isolated. That ended up being incredible for a lot of reasons because for me, you know, the world is just not, does not just consist of lawyers, right? You've got to meet real people, people in lots of different professions across industry because 
eventually, well, lots of reasons, but eventually your clients are going to say, hey, do you know an accountant? Do you know a banker? Do you know a financial advisor? I need these things. And you want to be a trusted advisor to your clients if you can. So I started forging these connections with non-lawyers and I was able to send business to them. They were able to send business to me. That's what a part, big part of what networking is about. They also had a mentoring program in that group for, you know, there were some younger uh, professionals that needed some advice from older professional women, or excuse me, sorry, seasoned, more seasoned professional women. So I thought that was very helpful. And interestingly enough, in that getting how it all comes full circle is that I met somebody in that, and through that professional women's group that encouraged me to get involved in the Women's Bar Association of Illinois, which I had never heard of. So I was like, great, I'll try that too. So ultimately I, I got involved in that and got on the board of the Women's Bar and became president back almost a decade ago. I guess my point is that thing, you never know what's going to happen when you get involved with organizations and who you're going to meet, whether it's mentees or mentors or uh, networking connections or referral or strategic business partners. You just, you just don't know. And that sort of led me on a path of, of the importance of continuing to get involved, not just in your profession, but outside the profession as well. Thank you for sharing that. I would love to hear a little bit about your work that you currently do. And as companies are shifting as you know companies are sort of reorganizing we have a digital hq how are you are you seeing mentoring showing up in any way in the actual you know broader workplace now has is there any topics around mentoring that you're seeing in the workplace now and would you have kind of any advice or recommendations for companies as they're thinking about how to really integrate diverse populations. And I need to lighten it for a second, DM, because if we're going to use seasoned instead of older, what's your term for uh, something instead of terminated? That seems like a bit like abrupt. <laughs> well, Excuse? I asked to leave. So, I mean, I've asked, I, a lot of my clients are currently, they're not unemployed, they're in transition. Ooh, okay. for, Which actually has a little bit of a different meaning now too, from one gender to another. <laughs> They're looking for their next opportunity. You know what? I work with a lot of CHROs, as you know who those are, um, you know, chief human resources officers, chief people officers, directors of human resources. And a lot of them are telling me that there are women's affinity groups or minority affinity groups that are starting with, especially with the focus on, um, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion which, you know, has long been, you know, a focus of mine, but now it's just suddenly getting favor in the last few years, which finally, that's great. And I'm glad to see it. But they are trying a lot of these uh, women's groups, I think within the firms and within the companies are trying to do something because they do want to make it, they want to, key is retaining women. The key is retaining women and making it a lot, of, you know, a lot of women have, have childcare issues and, or they're single moms and, you know, they want to do what they can, I think, to keep women in the workplace. So yes, I have seen some mentorship programs that I've been told about through some of my clients in the companies. And I think that's great issues with the workplace in COVID is that you don't necessarily, everybody or a lot of people are working remotely. They're working or maybe a hybrid at my firm. We have people coming in two days a week, which is great, but I'd love to see people more. I'm in every day. You know, it's just sometimes it's just, it's just a different dynamic. And, you know, people at my level who've been around for a long time don't know anything differently, but yet people who are in their 20s and 30s and just starting in the workforce, they kind of like working at home because I think, you know, you can stay in your pajamas. You don't have to commute. I get all of that, but you're also missing the camaraderie. You're missing the mentorship. You're missing all the things you get when you're in person at a workplace. 
Dan, have you found some ways to maybe bridge the gap in modes of communication sometimes between not necessarily age groups, but between folks who enjoy more kind of being outside the office, the other folks who enjoy more being in the office? So have you found some way to kind of uh, bridge those differences? Well, I think the phone is key or Zoom is key, you know, any way you can be communicating verbally versus in writing. Um, because I do think you lose something in translation when you're just commuting by email or communicate, excuse me, communicating by email or communicating by text, as you say. So I do think there's a lot of value to that. But sometimes younger people in the workplace don't really, you know, would just prefer to email. You know? <laughs> they don't want to chat on the phone. So, but in my opinion, frankly, nothing beats meeting someone face to face. I would love to switch gears a little bit. I was really excited to talk to you this morning, thinking about, as I said, a mentor that we both share, which is my dad. I've told Jimmy a lot about my dad. Jimmy also has been helping Leah a bit with her business as well. So we feel like Jerry sent Jimmy to us to help us get together. So yeah, I'd love if you could share a little bit about your experience with him um, as a mentor. If you would consider a mentor, maybe you don't, but I'm making it. Yeah, he was because he was really first relative I had in professional services industry. And that's a lot different than, you know, what my parents did uh, professionally. And he was really, really good at people and making connections with people and relationships with people and selling. And he was just such a great rainmaker and businessman. And he started his company, he started his, his firm, his accounting firm. And that's gutsy, you know, but you gotta, gotta have business. So I think watching him develop and listening to how he developed business and, you know, taking people out to lunch, he was big into that. I have taken all of that to heart and I do that all the time. Also just the importance, frankly, of business and having your own business and being a rainmaker because there's good lawyers are a dime a dozen. A lot of lawyers are reluctant to say loss. I didn't go into sales. I went into law. I'm not a salesperson, but you got to, you got, I mean, if you're in private practice, you've got to sell and you've got to develop relationships and networks. And Jerry was my father-in-law, Julie's dad, fantastic at that. So I definitely took that from him and he taught me about that. And I appreciate that. And he was really, and he was also just such a phenomenal listener. And when you said he was really good at kind of creating those relationships, I think he genuinely loved those relationships. And I think what I learned from him, as we're talking about kind of him as a mentor for me, and it sounds like for you also, is how wonderful these deep relationships are. And there, there is, you obviously are growing your business, you're making money, et cetera, but that you're really having a human experience by creating a business and growing it and being able to be partners with your clients and partners with your associates and partners with your collaborators. And it's this kind of beautiful existence of being able to really value those relationships which I feel like he did while he grew his business too. So I feel like he taught me that while he was a great salesperson, he was, he really meant it, I think. And I mean, people have to know you, like you and trust you. And relationships are everything in terms of, like you say, people who send you business, in terms of your clients, in terms of, you know, what you can do for those people. I mean, a big part of um, networking is, you know, what can I do for you? Who can I connect you with? Who are the best strategic partners for you? And you, you really do. I adore all of my strategic partners and my associates and my partners and everybody I know in the legal community. I really like them. And I hope they like me. 
because you got to like that. And that is what you were saying to your point, Julie, it's genuine. It's, and it's really, you know, caring about people. And so to your point, you know, I, I really truly care. I mean, people are thank me for, you know, when we're done with an engagement, thank me for helping them through a hard time in their life. You're right. He genuinely cared about people. And, and that's a very important part. It's not just about how much money can you make. It's also about what can you do to help them and how do you care about them? I'm curious, Deanne, do you have maybe like a symbol or a, like a specific example of somebody in your life that would combine some of you know, our Augmenter's principle of resilience for mentoring with some of that empathy and genuine uh, nature that you just talked about in creating relationships? I have a friend of mine in terms of resilience. She is a lawyer, big firm tax lawyer. She's written two books, she and her husband, who's also a lawyer, I've written two books on um, gender bias in the workplace. And it's all about, her name is Andrea Kramer. Uh, you know, she's a good friend and she speaks all the time to the legal community on some issues. So, but I think a, a big part of what she's taught and, and exemplified is resilience. Women, especially, you can't, you know, you're gonna get knocked down. It's inevitable. And as you rise in your career, things aren't gonna necessarily go the way you want them to go whether you don't get the case you want to work on or whether you don't get the promotion that you're to partner or whether, you know, people aren't being accommodating to you in terms of, of childcare or work-life balance or whatever it is, things are going to happen, not just in law, but in every career. And the question is not, oh no, it's over. I can't do it. I, I don't know how I can't go on. That's not the question. The question is how do I pick myself up and keep moving and learn from the bad and make it good. You know, I was in a firm that was not a good fit for me at one point. And I, again, I'm not going to drop out and say, turn my back on a profession that I love. And to me, that's a big part of resilience. And I think part of that too is that is those conversations, right? With those variety of, there's a little bit of a sort of acceptance of the fact that I'm not quite in the right situation and asking for help. Like you said, probably right. talking to some of your mentors, using your professional network, talking to people. And, and I think that helps with that resilience. I think sometimes women have a tendency to also want to do things all by themselves <laughs> and take care of everything. All the time. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm totally fine. I'm in the corner, you know, making it work, but being able to reach out and ask others. And I would imagine too, certainly your clients, like you said, you know, helping them with their resilience because they have come to you in a very challenging situation and they need resilience to a certain extent to kind of see what is going to happen next. Yeah. It's really hard sometimes when you're in that position to see that there's good to come. Yeah. And that I always tell people there's a silver lining to this. And not only that, but obviously my goal is to get them, you know, a lot of money, health benefits, anything they can use for the time being while they look for their next opportunity. But I also send them job leads. I connect them to people who I think could be helpful to them because, you know, a lot of one's self-esteem is wrapped up in your job and your career, if that's the route and the path you've gone. So if you feel like you don't have that anymore, that can, that can be upsetting. And so I really try to connect people and, you know, be a sense, and I'm a cheerleader in that, in that regard and remind them of all the great work they've done and that they have so much to offer and they're going to find a better fit in the future. But you hit on something, Julie, that I think is really important in terms of having people to talk to outside your organization. So that's a big part of mentoring that I've done because sometimes you just feel like too vulnerable or what's going to happen if I tell my boss that I'm not happy or it's not a good fit or I want 
this or that? How do I approach it? Like you don't want to alienate people. You don't want to do something that's not going to work or that's going to be come back at you in the workplace. So, you know, certainly I just, like I, I told you, I just got done with a, a one-year mentorship program through the Women's Bar Association of Illinois. And, you know, I was matched up with a young lawyer and just out a few years and was able to talk to her about her career and her options and certain situations came up with certain partners at work and I was there to give her some advice about how to handle those things because I don't believe that she could have gone to someone else at the firm and gotten the same sort of advice and felt safe and felt comfortable. Isn't that one of the challenges though of our current workplace where a lot of larger organizations almost don't want individuals to have relationships outside of the workplace because they're like, if you don't talk to anybody outside of work, then you're not going to leave the organization. And we're kind of freaked out about the little fiefdom we've created in the people here. Yet overall well-being, like you just said, is usually tied to a network of a variety of individuals outside of the workplace. How have you tried to you know, make, make those competing interests jive beyond just, you know, hey, like get involved with associations, which are obviously across organizations. Uh, do you have any advice there? I've always thought it's important to maintain friendships, business relationships, anything you can do that's not necessarily just internal. Well, internal is important. We talked about affinity groups and things like that. And, and there are definitely mentorship programs. You have to get out. And I don't even, I can't stress that enough, whether it's going out to lunch or joining associations or, you know, finding some other outside interest where you can meet people that are interested in the same things, whether it's a women's golf league or. I was waiting for golf to come up. <laughs> golf, golf. Yeah. So whatever your interests are, there's going to be other people that you can meet and you never know where that's going to take you. But you're right that for, you know, sometimes companies don't encourage that, but I don't know how well that's working for those companies because what is it? The great resignation. I mean, nobody can find people to come work for them. So they really need to, I think, readjust their thinking in that regard. But I will take two minutes to talk about golf because. Go for it. Oh, good. I, I was about to ask you. I'm like, we got to dive into this. Like, like, are you doing a scramble this weekend? You know, <laughs> are, you, are you betting on the skins game? What's going on? Yeah. So I learned how to play golf about 25 years ago when um, the law firm I was at was going to have golf outing. And I didn't want to be excluded because I was a woman and I didn't know how to play golf. So I learned it's a tough sport. It takes a long time. But what I did was ended up joining like a special interest table at a networking luncheon and found other women who golfed. So that became you know, and they knew people who golfed. So then I ended up having this, both playing the sport that I love and doing it as a networking exercise while playing with these people. And we get, you have four hours with them, four to five hours with them, and you get to know people and you force them really well. And you forge business relationships and you forge friendships. And, you know, and it's really, a lot of good stuff happens on the golf course. And unfortunately, a lot of women don't play. The other thing that has been great about it is the social angle of it meaning my husband and I play almost every weekend with friends who golf, and then maybe we'll go out to dinner afterwards. I think it's been critical to my ability to uh, develop business and maintain friendships and relationships. And I encourage women who are listening to this to go take lessons and learn. And it is a, it is a process, but it's worth it. So a pressing question of our time, should golf reduce the number of holes to 14 around instead of 18? Because as a caddy in my earlier days, I can tell you, that would have been great. And also now as an adult, I get super tired 
when you get to the back nine. I love that idea. I think I've heard something like that is actually happening, like an executive course or something. I think great. while they're at it, they can make the holes bigger or skip putting altogether to reduce the time. Skip putting, yes. I mean, it really has nothing to do with the rest of the ball, frankly. Yeah, or just eliminate the sand traps. Like Those can go. Those can go. You know, hazards, who needs them? But I do, I agree with you. It is a big chunk of time. And yeah, you do get tired after a while. Fun. And I, I, I need a few holes to warm up. So I'm happy with keeping it at 18 generally. You're actually really inspiring me to get back out there. How great it is to get out and to get more involved. Deanne, do you have any kind of words of wisdom, bits of advice that you share? Yeah. I mean, remember, first of all, in terms of your career and meeting people and, and mentor, ultimately getting to the point where you can mentor others. Women don't ask. They need to ask more. You've got to ask for what you want. You don't ask, you don't get. So ask. That's probably my biggest piece of get out there. Do not sit there and stay in your office. That will not work. You get so much out of it. You know, you have to do something else other than just work. No one's happy just doing work. Obviously, you got to put your time in in the office or outside of the office as it may be. But please, for your own sanity and for your professional growth, you've got to get get out and join and do and meet because nothing good is going to happen if, if you don't. Deanna, I love it. And I'm very impressed with you because I think we just had an Augmenters podcast first where somebody has inspired Julie to need to get out more. Julie is one of the people I know who is out there the most traveling all the time. So Deanna, I got to give you props for that. That is, that's something. <laughs> I'm like, what am I doing sitting in this office? I got to get out. I got to go. Yeah. But it is actually interesting, Dan, as you know, I run a virtual organization. So this is really inspiring, you know, the reminder of the, the importance of being somewhere. You know, Jimmy's wife is really involved in the Baltimore community and you do a lot in Baltimore and even from a work perspective. So even here in New York, you know, getting back out more because I agree, I think it does get to be kind of logistics and things are hard and but how important that is. Deanne, thank you so much. This has been right. so much fun. Oh, we really appreciate it's it. Great. Really thank great. you again for having me. We hope this episode was brief yet bright, and now it's time to read us out. And remember, we are here because real relationships have the power to transform organizations and build dynamic communities. Go ahead, Jimmy. Absolutely. Augmenters supports mentoring that matters. Visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.us. Share our podcast with someone you care about someone who needs a new mentoring relationship in their life pronto. We welcome questions and suggestions via email, hi at augmenters.us, or via social media with our handle at augmentershq. Shout out to our producers, Erlen Cato and Sean Omendam. Thank you. Augmenters out. See ya.